You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Let's get started. This is the perfect time to remind you that while I love kiddos, the show is not for kiddos. It's for you. So if anyone within earshot would have an issue with hearing a word that rhymes with schmad pass, hashtag earbuds, earmuffs, I trust you'll figure it out. All right, back to the show. Rachel Rogers is the founder of Hello7 and Million Dollar Badass, a mastermind for business owners who are committed AF to making seven figures. She built her own seven-figure business while raising three, now four kids, and she knows it's possible to have it all. Family, success, money, impact, and eight hours of sleep. She's an intellectual property lawyer and a business coach who's been profiled in Fast Company, Entrepreneur Magazine, on MSNBC, and other fancy publications. And she just recently launched her own podcast, Million Dollar Badass, which I will link to in the show notes over at naptimeempires.com. Rachel and I met online years ago and finally in real life at an event last year in Carmel. And what I love is that when we had this particular conversation way earlier in 2018, she was still pregnant with her littlest guy, Jet. Now he's here. And we were talking about what if she created a podcast and now her podcast is here. I love it. Okay. And also just some behind the scenes scoop for you because I thought this was brilliant. I've been needing to record the intro for this conversation and the last few episodes of this season two of the podcast for so long. And I've been mean girling myself and shooting all over myself. I bet you know how that goes. And I love that when I finally messaged Rachel to be like, dude, it's finally happening. I'm recording the intro this week. She was like, my podcast is launching this week. And I remembered all in perfect timing. In this conversation, we cover how Rachel was able to grow her business exponentially while on bed rest during her second pregnancy, how she leveraged online marketing to create her own virtual law office, what she loves about being the primary breadwinner in her family, the reality check she got around working too much, and how she stepped back to recalibrate and prioritize what really mattered, how she incorporates what she learned from running a legal firm into her coaching business, her thoughts on employees versus contractors for your business. I'm really interested in that part what's currently lighting her up in her business and why she says her million dollar badass framework is about so much more than just money and why she feels therapy is so important and how it differs from life coaching. All right. Uh, We're so giggly today. Rachel, I'm so glad to finally be having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for coming on. As we were just discussing, I wanted to invite you and I'm glad it's finally happening. Yes, me too. I'm excited to talk to you and all of your listeners. Boop, boop. Well, the first question <laughs> I like to ask just to set the stage, this is a super broad question, but can you just kind of paint the picture of life over there in terms of kiddos and business and when, you know, like did kiddos come first and then you started your business or, you know, just lay it out by this time I've read your bio. So we have a general idea, but now I want to like snap the Naptime empires filter on and just get a picture yes. of life over there. Yeah. So I started my business in September 2010 and then promptly found out I was pregnant by accident. I have a habit of getting accidentally pregnant (laughs) in February. (laughs) February 2011 is when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. And so, so at that point I had my bonus daughter, you know, but she lived with her mom. And so she was with us like holidays and like 
you know, weekends and stuff like that. No, you know, we didn't have any children living with us full time at the time. And I didn't have any kids of my own that I've birthed. So, so yeah, February, so six months in, and I was like, oh, great timing, Rachel. Good job. <laughs> so, so it was actually such a, I mean, obviously children are such a blessing, but also it was great for my business because it totally kind of snapped me into let's get things done. Let's make this happen. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and it got me really, really focused because I knew, you know, I have to take care of this child and I need to be making some money and I need to be able to support myself, you know, and all of that. So she came along in October, 2011. And then the day before her first birthday, I found out I was accidentally pregnant again. Oh, my I actually found out and I didn't tell my husband until her birthday. So I like sat on that for like 24 hours because I was like, wait, wait, I just, I need to let it sink in. (laughs) Yeah. So I was pregnant with my son during that time. And, you know, I had some complications. So I was actually on bed rest for four months. And that's actually when I was creating Small Business Bodyguard. So like I wrote Small Business Bodyguard largely while I was on bed rest. And my business just grew exponentially because I really didn't have anything else to do. I had to be in bed all day. So I was just in bed with my laptop, like, you know, getting it done because <laughs> I was still the breadwinner for my family at the time. So my husband had to do everything, you know, for my daughter and me. And then, <laughs> so, so then he came along in May, 2013. And then, you know, we were just humming along for a while. You know, again, my bonus daughter just kind of comes in and out whenever we can see her, whenever we had time with her. And then she decided that she wanted to come live with us full time, which we always wanted. So we were excited about that. So she came to do high school with us a few years ago. So, you know, now it's like three of us, you know, three kids full time. And then just, you know, in the fall, I found out, yay, I'm accidentally pregnant again. (laughs) I'm really good at business planning. I'm really horrible at family planning. (laughs) (laughs) So I am currently 25 weeks pregnant with, you know, my third birth child. So yeah, so it's just, you know, a nonstop adventure over here. Okay. So there's lots, I'm like doodling notes over here and lots of things that I want to dive into. So you started off because you're a lawyer. And so is that, and also I want to say we have basically twins because my oldest was also born in October, 2011. We got pregnant. He just came a little early, but yeah, same timeline there. But in terms of you starting your business, it was like, were you doing a traditional law practice before you decided to venture into the online, you know, kind of information product world or what was going on back then? No. So I graduated law school in June, 2009. Okay. And I had a position, like I got a position like right in the beginning, like early part of 3L year, which is your last year of law school, Mm -hmm. which was clerking for a judge who was amazing. Like still Judge Farber in New Jersey, such an amazing guy. I learned so much from him and I clerked for him for a year. And it's like, you basically become like sort of the right hand of the judge. And, you know, you have to read a lot of the stuff. You become his like eyes and ears in a lot of ways, reading everything that's coming into the court and giving him your opinion and kind of summarizing things for him and things like that. So you get a lot of power really quickly when you just graduated from law school. It's kind of amazing, you know? (laughs) So I'd have like lawyers who are been practicing for 30 years 
calling me and like asking me sheepishly if they can like adjust the schedule or get an extension. You know, and I'm like, wow, I have so much power. This is amazing and scary. But that was a great job. And I always say like, that was the best job I was ever going to have. So I knew I couldn't get any other job after that. So I had to just create my own, (laughs) you know, but really law school was honestly somewhat traumatizing. And (laughs) I kind of felt like the life of lawyers and litigators, which is what I was expected to be, you know, just wouldn't give me the lifestyle that I wanted. You know, I got married actually right before my 3L year of law school. And I was like, I really like this guy and would like to see him, you know, each week. Yeah. <laughs> not just, you know, not just during, you know, like see him at night during sleeping hours. And <laughs> like other than that, you know, just watching him sleep like a creeper <laughs> when he exactly. rolls over at midnight. Right. Exactly. While I work on briefs till three in the morning. Yeah. So I turned down a bunch of job offers and was like, I'm just going to start my own law firm and I'm going to do it all virtually. And that was a super new thing. There was like some software that a lawyer had created to like help people do this, but like no one believed it and like no no one would do it. And the few that were doing it, I actually cold called all these lawyers who were doing it. But there was only like, let's say five of them. I called every single one of them and like saw if they were willing to get on the phone with me. Mm. And they were actually, and they all told me it wasn't working for them. So I was like, well, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway. So, <laughs> so, so my clerkship ended, you know, August 31st, 2010. So September 1st, 2010, my law practice was born and I knew it was going to be online based because I knew I wanted to travel and move around and didn't really want to be stuck in one location like most traditional law offices are. So I decided to do this virtual office thing. And the thing that I realized too is that, you know, a lot of lawyers, they were doing the virtual law office thing, but they weren't doing it using online marketing. You know, like they weren't using online marketing tools. They weren't looking to see like, what are the internet marketers of the world doing, you know? And so that's what I did. I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to take this virtual law office thing but I'm going to not market it like a traditional law office like these people were doing because that clearly wasn't working. Right. And I was going to market it the way that online businesses were doing it. So I just kind of married those two things. And then, you know, I got all this press and people were like, oh my God, she's so innovative. And I'm like, I'm just doing the most obvious thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked. And so, yeah, so I, you know, started my online law practice and so had that running for pretty much really up until like last year. So it was about six years of, of practice. And then I started sort of winding it down and moving into business coaching. Okay. One nugget I want to pull out of what you were just talking about is something that I really love, which is just the innovative piece of like mixing two unlike items together. And it's not like yes. you had to invent the wheel on law or on online marketing, but just the way that you mixed those two together. And I feel like this is where a lot of people get stuck or feel like nauseated if it feels like a hall of mirrors in online marketing, or if it feels like the so-and-so the next tab over, like everybody's the mishmash of the same. It's It's like, this is the perfect example of when you take inspiration from a different field, like something that's traditionally not what your people in your particular area of expertise are doing. And it can just make it so much more fun and refreshing and more of a game and creative project than like, okay, let me follow a blueprint and do exactly what everyone else is doing and expect a different result. Totally. I feel like so many entrepreneurs are terrified to do something differently. And I'm like, no, 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 guys, you don't understand. You have to do something differently. Otherwise it's not going to work. You know, like it's not going to be as effective and you're not going to be able to grow it to the level that you want to. That is assuming that you want to grow it big. 
without some level of innovation, without some level of disruption in the marketplace, you know, because otherwise it's just like, we're just going to keep scrolling by on Facebook and Instagram, right? Like you want something that's going to stop us, right? From continuing to scroll and say, hmm, that's interesting. That's something I haven't seen before, you know? They don't even have to like it. They just have to be interested enough to stop and look at it. You know, hmm, that's unexpected in a way that resonates with you, obviously, because you can also tell when people are trying too hard to innovate or disrupt. And it's actually just like it's a distraction. But when it really aligns with who you are and mixes your unique talents and skills and strengths, then obviously that can only help. So I want to talk about the transition, though, because that's something that I've been kind of just knee deep in for a couple of years now. And a lot of my buddies have been going through the same thing where it's like the one thing that was like your shingle, you know, when you got started with law, then it shifts and you grow and you evolve and your dreamies grow and change. And so I'm curious just about the shift for you and how you've been moving. I don't know. Do you still have the law stuff as well? It's just not your primary focus or what's the transition been like in your business over the last year or so that you mentioned? Yeah. And to be honest, it probably even started, I don't know if it was 2015, maybe it was the tail end of 2015. I like confessed for the first time to my dear friend, Susan Hyatt. I was like, so I think I want to become a coach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like scared to say it out loud because, you know, I went to law school and passed multiple bar exams and like, that's supposed to be very impressive and also was very known for that and had you know, a business generating a half a million dollars a year as a law practice. So it's kind of like, not only does it sound dumb, it sounds crazy to change it, you know? (laughs) But I had this like pull. And to be honest, I was coaching all of my legal clients anyway, you know? It's just, I was doing all the coaching for free and then just charging them for like the contracts and the trademark registrations and the things like that. But really, when I look at my strengths and like what my skill set is, you know, being behind a computer all day doesn't make sense, you mm-hmm. know, and not being seen and heard because all my strengths are influencing strengths. It's like, for me, I get really charged up by teaching and being in front of a group and firing people up and inspiring them and helping them achieve their goals and things like that. Like that is me. I've always been that sort of cheerleader ever since I was a kid. And honestly, what drew me to law practice was like sort of advocating for people, you know, Um, but I just wound up and I did do that. And that's part of why I was able to do it for as long as I did, but I wanted to really expand beyond that. And so what I did was I just sort of started winding down the law practice and winding up the coaching. So I did a coach certification with Martha Beck. And, you know, I did that training and then I also did like my first coaching thing was I launched a mastermind and, you know, and I was surprised by like how easy it was to sell, you know? So I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, people, it's so funny. Sometimes we feel like we have these like hidden talents or like, I felt like it was such a secret that I wanted to be, (laughs) you know? And in reality, people saw me as that anyway, you know, like you can't really hide who you really are, you know? So sometimes that transition can be way easier than you think it's going to be because people kind of already see that in you anyway. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know? So yeah. So I launched a mastermind, was able to quickly fill it. And it was like, oh, okay. You know, kind of getting that business validation for something that's been in your head for a long time. And I loved it. And you know, my people got good results and it was just a good experience. And so then after that, I started sort of 
kind of dabbling. So I would, I did some events, you know, and I did one-on-one coaching and I kind of just dabbled with a lot of different types of programs for about two years. And, you know, what I was doing was basically during that same time I was, you know, my clients, I had a lot of legal clients on retainer. So when their retainers would expire, I wouldn't renew and I wouldn't replace that client, which normally that's how I would do it, mm-hmm. which was scary as hell, you know, <laughs> to like give up, you know, 12 months of retainer revenue, you know, right. And it's scary too to tell people that you've been working with for years that you're no longer available to serve them. You know, that's scary also. But I did it and everybody was so encouraging. Like, I don't think anyone said anything negative about it. They were like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Some of them actually were like, great, now I want to hire you as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? send me the invoice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so I'm a big fan of that because I, I have been the breadwinner for my family going on eight years now. And it just made sense for us. You know, my husband hated his previous job, although he made great money and he was the breadwinner while I was in law school. And then we kind of switched roles and I just love what I do so much. And it has so much potential, right? To make more than just like, you know, a salary that's collected, even though he made great money before. So I just didn't want him to be miserable. So I was like, leave that job, screw that. I'll do something that I love. And he's like an amazing father and husband. So he kind of takes care of all of that stuff. And he's, he works part-time in the business now too. So anyway, where was I? Well, <laughs> I no, I'm, I'm just listening and I'm just thinking, cause there's again, so many ways that I want to take this. And one of the questions I want to ask is about that breadwinner piece and just like, do yes. you ever feel, cause this is a new thing for me because I was always like, I built my business. My husband was working full-time in the Navy and I was like, it was bonus you know, bonus money. And I had to watch my words of what I was saying because I used to just be like, well, you know, we save everything I make. And I also, I made it almost like it wasn't real. Like it didn't count. Like it was monopoly money because we would just save whatever I make, you know, and it was bonus and didn't count in some way. And now it counts a lot. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm just wondering have you ever had the hesitation? Because this is something a lot of people talk about, especially a lot of women entrepreneurs. And it's like, okay, and I'm going to build my business. I'm going to retire my husband or whatever the, the dynamic looks like. But I'm just like, how does that feel? Does it ever feel overwhelming to you? And does it, do you ever feel like there's a pressure or anything on your shoulders that stifles your creativity or your willingness to experiment? You know what I mean? Like all of those things I'm really interested in talking about because I don't hear many people talking about it from that perspective. It's like, it sounds great. Like, yeah, your business takes off and your husband has a choice of doing what he actually wants to do and what lights him up. But then what about you when you feel the weight of primary breadwinner, you know, and how do you manage Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think my main feeling that I've always felt about being the breadwinner for the family is pride. You know, Mm -hmm. like I feel really good that this is something that I could do for my family and it doesn't make me miserable. I love it, you know, and I actually don't think it stifled my creativity. I think it's inspired the creativity because there were constraints, right? Like, so like, you know, I couldn't close my law practice and just be like, goodbye guys. And I'm just going to go figure this coaching thing out for six to 12 months, you know, and see what works. Like there was no option to do that. And so there was a time period where, you know, I don't honestly, I don't even think I worked that hard. I think I was working hard, but it's because I was also having fun and enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It didn't really feel that painful, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was, you know, drafting contracts and still doing plenty of legal work. And at the same time, you know, revving up my coaching practice. And to be honest, at that time too, I had two associates working for me, two associate lawyers and an ops manager. So I had a team. 
so I never had to do everything. I was really like supervising them. And then like, there were things that I, it was like, it had to be me, but for the most part, you know, my law practice structure was still there and, you know, we were still like working with legal clients, but the calibration of that, I think the pressure of being breadwinner plus supporting your employees, you know, like Mm -hmm. making payroll every two weeks, like those two things together can be a lot and that can be scary. But I kind of just knew, like I go into the month knowing like, this is the nut we have to cover and we are going to cover it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, over the years, sort of just the fact that I had to meant that I did, you know? I think sometimes we're not motivated enough because we just don't have a fire lit, you know? There's no pressure to like get it done. And I think the pressure, a lot of times people say, oh, it's such a bad thing. I actually, I kind of thrive on it, you know? I feel like that pressure has actually taken me exactly to where I am today. And without, you know, getting frequently accidentally pregnant and (laughs) having a family to support and knowing like there's no other source, literally, you know, now there is, but like for the, which is like sort of passive sources, you know, like real estate that my husband owned and things like that. Mm -hmm. But like, there was no other source. It was like, either I was bringing it in or we didn't have it, you know? (laughs) So, so yeah, there was definitely pressure and trust me, there were, there were definitely times where I just like threw the covers over my head. And actually during that time period where I was like significantly growing my practice and I was writing and creating small business bodyguard, which was my first like digital, big digital product. And then Like I had my son, you know, and, you know, luckily he was born like a day shy of full term. So like really close to full term, Mm -hmm. had no complications or anything, which was awesome, which was the big fear. So we, I had him finish writing SVB and then like we moved across the country back to New York, which is where I'm from. We were in South Dakota at the time. Oh, wow. Don't even ask. (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting South Dakota. (laughs) I know. And we were there longer than expected because I got pregnant and then was on bed rest. So we couldn't leave, you know, even though we were kind of done, my husband was doing a program there. So yeah, in the space of like, from like May to July of 2013, I, you know, had a baby, finished writing Small Business Bodyguard and launched that digital product and then moved across the country, you know? And so in August, I promptly had a nervous breakdown, When you can, and I can laugh about it now. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But like, I took like the whole month of August off, and and not that I had prepared to do that. So like, basically, I called you know my ops manager at the time and just like cried and was like, I cannot talk to anybody. Like, I have got to take care of myself because you know it's like I had enough to get me through all of that stuff, but I had pushed it a little too far. And everybody was always like oh my gosh, Rachel, you're like superwoman. You're amazing. You know? Mm. And I was just kind of like, I'm dying right now, you know? And I, I didn't really feel it until SBB launched, which was like, I think it was July 23rd, 2013. It was like, it launched, we had like an eight day launch period. And it, the moment the launch was over, I was like, Bleh. Mm-hmm. you know, like, I realized that I had pushed it way, way, way too far, you know? And luckily we had a super successful launch. So I had money to sit on and just be like, okay, I'm not doing crap right now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that was definitely a moment where I needed to have a reality check about, you know, how much attention I was giving to my marriage because that was also a problem Mm -hmm. because I was working too much. So I think that, and I've seen this with my clients as well. I think that when we have sort of that like rise and we start to be successful, 
we have to have sort of that recalibration of like how much you're working and how much, you know, like sort of figuring out how to balance it all out. Yes. Because I think we sort of have balance in the beginning because we're just starting and the business is not that demanding and it's also not providing so much. Mm-hmm. But then as we become more reliant on the business, as it gets super exciting because it's growing, it's like something that you're working on your baby, it's working. So you're excited to spend all your time pouring into it, right? And so, yeah, so there was all of that. And then it came to a point where I was like, okay, I need to take a way step back, you know, and like recalibrate things. And that's actually... Because I had that sort of like complete meltdown <laughs> for the month of August and like could not work if I wanted to, the next move that I made was hiring an attorney as an associate to work with a law firm. So okay, yes. the, the, the ash that I made from the digital product actually made that possible. So that was like, okay, recalibrating. And honestly, that's been my whole journey. So I've been at this for like eight years. And, you know, there's just like, there's always a recalibration of like, who do I need on my team to support me at home and in the business? How do I need to change my schedule? And I'm on to the point where if I have a crappy day, I look at my calendar and I change the calendar rules for scheduling Mm -hmm. um, so that it doesn't happen again, you know? So I'm really, really like obsessed with like always sort of rebalancing, always revisiting what's going on with my schedule and making sure that I like have that balance so that I have time with my kids and my husband and for the business, you know, and for myself actually, because that's what's always last, right? (laughs) No, I'm so glad you shared that. And I love what I wrote down is the rise and then the recalibration, because I I just love the word recalibration for all of its syllables and all of its connotations, because... I feel like just thinking about balancing it, everyone just wants to roll eyes at the balance idea because it feels like, okay, equal amounts of the pie. Well, that's not what it is. But I do like the idea of calibration where it's like when you feel way the F out of whack in a particular area, then you, you do need to counterbalance it so that you can start to feel better about how you're showing up in a particular area. So I love the idea of recalibration. That's super, like my story, my husband was gone, you know, like 75 or 80% of the last four years. Well, I would say that a year ago. So whatever, because he was in the Navy. So I totally was enabled to be a workaholic. Like I started, he was gone because he was gone. I was the only grown up after bedtime when I just had my toddler at the time. It was like, that's what I would do. And so I became a workaholic without realizing it because my marriage was like, you know, to the Navy. And so he was gone, like almost like an imaginary figure that was just like, oh, daddy, we love you, you know, but he's like straight up out of communication on submarines. It wasn't like I had to know what it was like to be giving attention to your marriage and your business. So this has been a big relearning process for me. And I appreciate you sharing that about your August, 2013 and respect that it was only a month of a meltdown because a lot of us can spin out for even longer. But I do feel like once you're like, once you've been going through so much, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine yesterday. Once you've gone through so many big life changes and it's having a baby, moving across the country, putting a new project out into the world, it's easy for women like us to be like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'm just doing it. People will be like, how are you doing it? And your husband's gone. I'm like, well, this is just life. This is what I do. What if, if I didn't do it? Right. I mean, you know, it's just, I'm doing what I got to do. But then it's like when he would come home, I would get sick or get a cold or whatever. Cause it's like, my body was literally like, whew. Now yes, I can get a break going on, you know? 
So yes, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I appreciate you sharing that too about the support. Cause I was going to ask, what was it that you recalibrated, you know, and that's what you said. That's when you hired help. And I'm curious about how that translated when you were hiring the associates and stuff on the legal side, how did that translate and inform how you've built your team on the coaching side of your business? Yeah. So, and I just wanted to say too, this was not a problem that was fixed once August came in away. Right, it's just, right. I had a meltdown over it. <laughs> yes. That's when you noticed. Yeah. Oh, yes. something's off here. Yeah, exactly. And I was kind of useless to solve it. Right. Like I basically just kind of ignored my business for 30 days. And then, you know, after I gave myself some time to like actually recover from all the things that had just happened, then I was able to like start to problem solve, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes you do just need to let yourself have a good old fashioned long-term meltdown if that's Mm -hmm. what you need, you know, Mm -hmm. and give yourself that break and just like flick channels, you know, and like, (laughs) you know, breastfeed on the couch while watching baby mama. Like that was like my favorite activity while my daughter was in (laughs) daycare. And like, you know, just kind of allow your mind to like sort of reset, you know? So anyway, so yeah, then it was a process of like figuring out what are the solutions and then executing them. Right. And it took time. Like I actually didn't have the new attorney. I had them hired by like right before Christmas, like December, early December. And then she started in January. And then I also expanded the hours for my ops manager who was still part-time at the time. And I was like, yeah, full-time is what we need here. And it was scary too, you know, having to make payroll because it's different than paying a contractor once a month. Like payroll has to come out at a certain time every, you know, it's like, it's automatic, you know, and you got to make sure that money's there. And I definitely had months where I called my sister and was like, so about that savings account you have? Yeah. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> so I don't your local small business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seriously. My sister saved my ass quite a few times um, along the journey, you know, because she just had more money saved than I ever did. So, <laughs> so I was really lucky to have her support, you know? So yeah, so now I don't remember what the hell your question was. No, it's good. It's good because right when you run out and you forget forget your thought, I have a new question for you fully loaded. So I want to pick your brain selfishly because you do have the legal side of things. And this is a conversation I've actually been having a lot as well about full-time or even part-time, but actual employees versus contractors. Can you speak to that and your experience with it? Because I feel like a lot of people, when we come into this online world, then the whole idea of an employee just sounds super scary, overwhelming, or like, oh, that's way bigger. Like, I don't, that's real business stuff, you know, and I'm just trying to keep it light and virtual and all of that. But there, I mean, a lot of times we're paying more for part-time contractors than we would for actual employees and they're not dedicated to our businesses. And so I definitely feel like that's a route I want to go, not necessarily right now because I just scaled everything back. So I need to like get the gears turning again, but I do feel like ultimately that's what I would love, like a full-time executive assistant as opposed to contractors. So I'd love to hear about your experience with that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm a really, I'm actually the type of person now too, where, you know, I also am like pretty far into this journey at this point and, you know, have a pretty substantial business. And when I have a new project, like the first thing I say to people when I'm going to hire them is like, so how much are you actually available? Because my problem is, people aren't available enough. You know, mm-hmm. like if I start them off at 20 hours a week, I say to them like, this could quickly grow to full time. So yes. are you going to be available for that? You know, if that's an option, because 
I just, I scale fairly quickly. And so I know that like, I just dominate people's time, even contractors that I hire, like they like, I take up the time of like three and four clients. So they don't have time for, I'm like, I need you to, they're like, I have a consult with a new client. I'm like, actually, could you not do that? And I'll give you another 10 hours. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes, please don't. (laughs) So yeah, there's definitely some nuance with the employee versus contractor conversation. Yeah. But generally, if you've got somebody, you know, working for you full time and they're an essential piece of the business, like the business can't run without them you know, and they live in your state, then they should probably be an employee on payroll and not contractor status. And you can Mm -hmm. actually get in trouble with the IRS because they want their employment taxes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, and you know, if you use something like Gusto payroll, like it's really not that hard to have an employee, you know, it's just the way you pay them is slightly different. And like companies like Gusto, who I used to use, they take care of all of that stuff. So like, you don't have to worry about all the filings and stuff and like all the compliance stuff. Cause that's the part that's really scary. And overwhelming. you do want to make sure they have an employment agreement. Mm-hmm. You should have an agreement either way, whether you have employees or independent contractors, you should definitely have a contract with everybody on your team. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of like the generalized criteria. It gets funky for virtual businesses. I think when you've got somebody who's like working pretty much full time for you, but they're in another state. Mm. you know, mm-hmm. and like legally they really should be an employee, but from like an accounting perspective, tax wise, like I've seen accountants say, if they're not in your state, keep them as a contractor, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it kind of depends on where you're at. The other thing too, is like my business, you know, I had people who lived in New York working for me and New York is super aggressive about this contractor versus employee thing. Mm. So New York, like their department of labor will come after you. And I've had clients that, you know, have been attacked, right? Like by the department of labor. And that's really scary. And the penalties are not cheap. They're in the many thousands. So, you know, like you might be in a state where you really do not want to mess around. Now I'm in North Carolina. It's the same thing. If you've got over, well, I shouldn't say that there are certain rules around employees and stuff like that, that you have to have them on payroll and things like that. So, so yeah, so I would do a couple of things, either hire, hire a lawyer and an accountant and get their opinion. Or you can like, I have tons of like resources on smallbusinessbodyguard.com, like free resources, blog posts and stuff like that. That'll like educate you more about that topic. But the main thing I want to say is like, do not be afraid of having employees. I think the reality is, is that you're better off with one person that's full time than like seven part timers because Mm -hmm. it's like you, it's kind of like, it's me and you the hard way, right? Like, (laughs) you know, like we're committed, you know, and like, you're not the only one moving this baby forward. Like somebody else is committed to making this happen. And it really changes that balance thing. If you're like constantly have everybody on five hours a week, 10 hours a week, whatever it is, it's just like, it's that level of commitment can't be there because they have to do other things to make their money, you know? Yeah. And you can't tell them that they need to work in a particular window of time either. So it just feels a little bit slippery. And there's definitely pros to having the virtual and the contractor agreement, especially if it's like, like you said, you're not necessarily ready for that type of commitment and you need to play the field a little bit just to see how you like to work with people and you're getting that valuable information. But ultimately 
yeah, I just feel like this is something that so many people have just limiting beliefs and lack of straight up information on what it actually looks like. So that's why anytime I'm talking to somebody who has actual employees, I'm like, Ooh, I want to talk about that more and shine a light on it so that people have the menu of options available to them to know like, Oh, it doesn't have to be so scary. There are professional people who can help you make sure you're, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's and covering all the bases, but it really could be something great for you. Cause I just, I just imagine that would feel amazing. Like there's so many ridiculously smart, talented people who have like a corporate background that would love, have no desire to run their own business, but would love to be able to work from home and support Mm -hmm. a small business that they believe in. I mean, there's so many amazingly qualified people out there. So totally several of them are on my team. And to be honest, (laughs) I could, (laughs) I could not have the business I currently have right now Mm -hmm. um, without them. Like it wouldn't be possible, you know? And especially not the life that I have. Like I literally spent part of the day, I'm like almost scared to say this out loud, but like I spent part of the day this morning, like, huh, what should I do? Because Mm -hmm. there's like everything on my to-do list is done. My team's got like everything else. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just hang out and wait for like, you know, I've got a group coaching call later and and (laughs) this interview, that was it today, Mm -hmm. you know? Which is almost like, sometimes I don't believe it. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like skeptical, like "Mm, I'm totally forgetting something super important. But really it's true. And it's like, it's almost to the point where, you know, the people on my team are like driving the business forward. Mm. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not just because sometimes when you have a lot of part-time contractors, you have people who will get things done. Like, yes, they will check it off the list but they're not driving things, you know? And I've got people on my team who are like, oh, you know what we should do? We should do this. I already did it. It's done. Implemented, you know? Like you scoot Um, over, take a nap in the back seat and they're driving. They'll get the snacks. They'll refuel. (laughs) Exactly. They took the wheel. Exactly. Yes. So like that level of support is amazing. And, you know, I posted on Instagram today about how it takes a village and it really does both in my home and you know, in the business, right? For me to have the life I have, I wouldn't have it without women entrepreneurs because almost everybody that is supporting me in some way, one way or another Mm. is a woman entrepreneur. So I hope that that helps women entrepreneurs recognize their value and how like you are literally helping people's dreams come true, regardless of what industry you're in. You know, Mm. I have like an interior designer helping me. We just bought a big old house that I do not have time nor the skill or or talent to know how to even furnish it. We're going from like a 1300 square foot apartment to a 5,000 square foot house. I've never lived in anything anywhere near that big ever in my entire life. You know, Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this thing. You know, like interior designer, my therapist, my realtor has helped us navigate this whole like building a house process. You know, the woman who owns the agency in Charlotte that's helping me find a full-time nanny that I desperately will need before this baby comes, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, the women at my kid's private school who are like making us meals because I'm on bed rest right now with this baby, you know, mm-hmm. and sending them home with my husband when he picks up the kids from school, like stuff like that. I mean, it is, it's so freaking important, you know, like the skills and talents that we all have that we have to contribute to the world. Like it's amazing. And I love that. Like I'm just surrounded by women who are supportive of me. And I love that I get to play that role too and be supportive of women and helping their dreams come true in the ways that, I'm skilled to do, you know? So it's this really amazing ecosystem. I feel like we live in this like incredible time. I mean, yes, there's so much going on in the world that is a hot mess, but I like that there's so much positive too. Agreed. 
Yeah, there is a lot of good stuff going on. And that's one thing I do want to talk about more is like what you're excited about in this particular season and chapter and how you're showing up and how you're serving and the kind of work that you're doing with your clients. So can you tell me more about like what it is currently that's that's lighting the fire that's that yes. you're driving forward on? So one of the things that I've done in the last, you know, year plus is really, really simplify. And I think that that is a key term. It's a key word that all of us women entrepreneurs, especially who have families to take care of, like that is a word that we should be like in love and obsessed with, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, where can I simplify? So like when I see entrepreneurs talking about like, oh, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I've got this other project over here and I'm doing like, you know, this one-on-one work and then I'm doing corporate work and then I've got an online magazine and then I've got a podcast and I've got this and I've got that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, can we narrow that down a little bit? Because all of that, it takes so much energy to like make those projects successful. You know, it's like, let's have less projects and just do better at them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I definitely walk my talk in that sense. And so my business right now, we just rebranded and it's called Hello7. And what we focus on is helping women scale from a hundred thousand to a million. So like women who are in the six figure range, you know, anywhere from like a hundred thousand to like three fifty is kind of where clients come to us at. And then we help them scale to over a million. And, you know, even narrowing down the people that I serve, you know, that was, it's all, it's, these are not easy decisions to make, but they're so worth it because it just really, it makes you simplify your life, you know? So I have like a 10 week program, you know, for women to sort of get a taste of what it's like to work with us and to like kind of get some of the, you know, genius that we have to share. And then we have, you know, a year long mastermind. And those are the only two ways that you can work with us, period. You know, it's like either 12 months and like, let's do this thing like hardcore or it's 10 weeks, you know, and there's no big launch dates. It's kind of like these things are available, not always, but like, you know, we're kind of accepting new members on a rolling basis. Mm hmm for both of those things. And that's it. Like, those are the two things that I do. And like, whenever I'm getting creative or thinking about like, what am I going to do next? It's always about like, okay, how can I make my next mastermind retreat incredible? Like, what's the training going to be next month for my mastermind that's going to blow their minds? Like, what can I do to like help these women be even more successful? So the focus has been amazing to be able to like, just really focus on like less clients, right. And like just serving them with everything that I have it's been awesome, you know, and it's something that I was scared of too. Cause I, I have, I've had like 12 different coaching programs before this, that you could join mm. and retreats and like events and all these different things. And now it's like, I've got two offers and that's all I got for you. Nothing else. And <laughs> is know? that like, is it worth, I mean, cause that's the scary thing, right? When people are just like reaching for the next, but they don't want to like leave the ground where they're standing right now and they just have to reach yes. in and jump and you don't know until you're on the other side of it. So now that you're on the simplified side of it, how is it like with your actual results and tangible business and profitability and stuff? Is it like, okay, cool. You're instantly seeing the benefits and the fruits of the focus, or is it like there's a biz puberty transition kind of opportunity? <laughs> Yeah. For this, there hasn't been. So basically what I did was I teach a lot about having a flagship offer. That's like, you have one offer that generates like almost hundred percent of your revenue. Mm-hmm. And like, if you have another offer, it's to create a bridge so people can kind of get a taste of working with you. And also just for people who maybe like, they just can't do the higher level, higher priced thing. Yeah. So like, those are the two things that I have. And you know, we have a, it's a million dollar business and it's because of the mastermind mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the 10 week course just kind of adds gravy to it. So yeah, Mm -hmm. all of our revenue comes from one offer and it's awesome, you know, and it allows me to really like kind of 
like I don't have to say, you know how it's like, sometimes you have like, if you have a really like a limited, like a six month one-on-one coaching or like if you have like a course or something like that, there's limitations on what you can give of yourself because you're only getting paid so much and you got to put your energy elsewhere so that you can, you know, make as much money as you need to make, right? Because that thing, one thing isn't supporting you. When that one thing is supporting you, you don't have to worry about like, oh, I should, should I call them? Should I answer these additional emails? Should I create additional resources for them? You know, mm-hmm. how much should I show up for these clients? Like you can show up as much as you want because there's no limit because, you know, they're committed at a high level and so are you, you know? So yes. it's actually been... It's been amazing and I love it and I highly recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like thinking face emoji over here because I've been in the like exploratory (laughs) experimental kind of muck for as we've been going through our personal life transitions from Hawaii to Texas and all of these things. But I do, I just, I'm so drawn to and love the idea whether it's a membership or a mastermind and I do feel like I'd rather do a mastermindy thing. But either way, just I'm so drawn to the idea if I could get over my commitment phobia to an ongoing container where you can just keep pouring into your people about anything, like whatever it is that you want. Like if you want to hang out with me and learn what's going on or learn from my experiences or whatever, this is the place to do it. That just feels so appealing because it's like, come on in, you know, if you want to be holding that space for people anyway, might as well have it in like a curated container. Yeah. I just really like that idea too. Yeah. And one of the easiest ways to do this is like, you can almost like combine all the things that you've done and mm-hmm. like turn it into one offer and just be mm-hmm. like, here, you get to have everything, all of me, you know, there's one-on-one coaching included, there's group coaching, there's retreats. Mm-hmm. Like, so everything that I, I'm still doing varied things and I'm still doing the things that I love to do, but it's all within the container of the mastermind instead of having 12 different offers. So then you need 12 different marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. systems, you need 12 different sales processes, you need 12 different delivery processes. Like it's, it's just freaking exhausting, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. this way you get to sell once, right? And then just kind of give everything that you've got to this one group of people who can really benefit from it too. So but my next nosy question about it, and then I have one more like lifey question, momish question about it. When in your container of your mastermind, do you cover like lifestyle things or is it super focused because you're specifically talking about scaling from one particular level of business to the next? You know what I mean? But are you talking yes. also from a holistic, like also like the lessons you were talking about where, oh, right. When we slip into workaholic mode and we're not giving our relationship any attention or we're not showing up in a way that feels good at home, you know? Yes. Yes. So we talk about all of it and there's like, so there's like a, essentially a framework that I created called the million dollar badass framework. And, mm-hmm. and th- that sort of hits all these different areas of business that need to be at a certain level in order for you to hit that million dollar mark. And one of them, there's like a whole section that is like about implementation and it's about working in your strengths, sorting your systems and topping your team. So it's like, you need these things in order to kind of have the dream life that you want because being a million dollar badass is not just about making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We see plenty of people in the world, right? Who make a lot of money and they work all the time and their lives suck. You know, (laughs) we we don't want that. We want to make a lot of money, but we also want the lifestyle, right? That we, we want for ourselves. And then we also want to have a big impact. So those are sort of the three big chunks. And so it does kind of hit the lifestyle things, even though that's not the focus. It's sort of like, we're not going to pretend that that's not an important piece of this, you know? Right. 
I've actually been really surprised how people have responded to this pregnancy because my, the other two times I've been pregnant, my business was fairly small. I didn't have the audience that I now have, you know? So it was just kind of, it felt very private and now it feels very public, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was almost kind of like a little apprehensive about sharing because I was like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm like not going to show up or not going to deliver now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had those same like, you know, creeping concerns or whatever, but I've actually found that so many people are like, oh my God. I love that you're pregnant right now. <laughs> you know, like it's like I love that you have 50 million children and like, able to have a seven-figure business. You know, because yeah. it's just kind of like uh, that's what it was for me too, right? Like there were women that I looked up to and still do, right? When I was starting my business, and I was like, oh, they're doing it, I can do it too. You know, yes. it's so important to have those examples. So yes. yeah, so this pregnancy has been very, it's a fascinating process of like being pregnant kind of publicly, you know? Right. I love it. And yeah, because it's <laughs> a lot of times people, I mean, just in a big part of my message in terms of the like communication and copy pieces, you know, you have permission to be yourself and using yes. whatever language you use doesn't take away from you being a professional. You're professional. Literally the definition is because you get paid to do what you do well. And that doesn't change based on what you're wearing or what you look like or what you sound like. You're good at your freaking stuff. So that's what makes you pro. Yes. And so it's the same thing. Like if you're pregnant or you're a mom or you're not, like it doesn't change the fact that you're really great at the value that you bring to your people. And that's what matters. And so but I love how you said from the very beginning when you got pregnant, you're like, okay, so this is actually going to help me focus and that you used it as an asset. And I love how Denise Teffield Thomas, her mantra is babies bring abundance, you know? And yes, I 100% agree with that. I think yeah. she's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could, well, and we will continue this conversation because we also have just been trying to have our Zoom and Skype day in general. But as we wrap this particular conversation up, is there anything we haven't covered really that speaks to the mom side? Like anything that we haven't covered that you would love to speak into the earbud of our fellow family focused female entrepreneur? I'm like, you know, the joke about how some people get so riled up about mompreneur or whatever preneur. I'm like yes. primary caregiverpreneur, <laughs> whatever it is. But to people our fellow... Find, like, it's like they're endlessly offended by like, yeah. no matter what language you use. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you might as well say whatever the hell you want. Exactly. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the word police. Say whatever resonates with you. But as a fellow family-focused female entrepreneur, whether you're primary caregiver or not, is there anything that you just want to share like insights or words of wisdom or encouragement or solidarity even that we haven't shared yet that you would love to put out there into the world? Yes. Okay. So two things come to mind. I don't have a like pithy quote, like locked and loaded and ready to go, but two things that I wanted to share that are very practical that have been amazing for my life. One is my schedule. So like I work from about 8.30 in the morning. My kids leave for school at 8 and like I have my tea and like get my life together. And then 8.30 I start working and then I'm done at 2.30. Usually I used to be done at 2.30 because that's I would go pick them up from school. Now I'm on bed rest and my husband picks them up. So I go like 8.30 to 3. Mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday, don't work Friday. 
that schedule has been like the bomb. I love it. It's like the best schedule I've ever had. And as I've said, I've tried lots of different things. Yeah. So that's one thing I wanted to share because I think sometimes people really want to know like, okay, so when do you work when you don't? And that doesn't mean I never work any other time. But for the most part, that's when things are getting done. That's when appointments are. And there's a good chance that I don't work any other time. <laughs> so that's one thing I wanted to share about the schedule and just like being willing to experiment with that. And then the other thing that I've done, and that's fairly recent, is hire a therapist. And that's been amazing. And I've just, I've only done it for like, I'm in like week five or six. And this is the first time in my life I've had a therapist. And it's been amazing. It feels so self-indulgent because I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend money and time just talking about like whatever's going on with me. Yes. And that is so rare for women. We're always told, like, go get a massage, you know, like, go whatever. Like, there's some typical things that women are told to go do for self-care. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm a fan of therapy, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's been really life-changing for me, you know, in the past couple of weeks, just to have that resource. And there's so much that I've learned about myself and even habits that I've changed in the last few weeks just from talking to her and learning from my therapist who like actually focuses on like CEOs and entrepreneurs and salespeople. Those are like who she serves. So Mm -hmm. she kind of gets my version of crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's been really epic. So those are the two things that I would say, like consider therapy because it's amazing and, and definitely like play with the schedule and imagine what you could get done in like just six hours a day, you know, try it and see what happens. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So now I still need to follow up on these things and make that not the final thing that you're saying, because I, <laughs> the word that you mentioned earlier with constraints and how that really is important to have the constraints. Otherwise it feels like an amorphous blob that just leaks into every yes. minute of your day. And that's the totally. blessing and the curse of an entrepreneur. Like, yeah, it is cool that if you needed to, you could work after bedtime or during nap time or whatever. That That's great. But it also can really drain you super fast because you feel like you're never turning it off. So if you experiment with the idea of constraints and being like, what if I legit could only work during this time and get your micro hustle on and focus for those hours, then imagine what you could do if you were just like, nope, no matter what, I'm not going to work outside of these. And then of course, you know, you experiment, figure out what works for you. Okay. Yes. The next thing I was going to ask you, because you did mention your Martha Beck training and whatever, and I'm curious the difference to you and your perspective of the difference between like getting a life coach or a therapist. And do you note like a significant difference or you're just saying, as long as you have someone who's like a professional who can help you sort through your stuff and is dedicated to it, that does feel amazing when you're like, I just am going to talk about me for an hour, (laughs) you know, let's work through my stuff. So do you see a big difference between those perspectives? Yeah. You know, I've had life coaches who are Mm -hmm. amazing. And I think my habit, my personal habit was with the life coach to focus on the business still. Like I was like, I'm paying Mm -hmm. for coaching for the sake of my business and making more money. Yeah. And with therapy, like she doesn't give a crap about my business or making me more money. Like Mm -hmm. that is like the least of her concerns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think it just kind of depends on the focus of the person. But yeah, this has, I also think, I don't know, it just comes with different weight. I feel like I treat it differently. So I I think it might have more to do with what I think about the two things or how I've treated it differently. But yeah, I do think there's a different skill set with therapy versus coaching, life coaching. And I think Mm -hmm. both of them are extremely valuable. But I feel like almost life coaching is kind of like improving your life in some ways and like habits. And I don't know, I feel like it's different, you know? So yeah, the therapy has definitely been good for me in a totally different way. 
So, and it was actually a life coach who recommended that I do it. <laughs> Bada bing. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I really do feel, and, and I don't think there's nearly the stigma that maybe there used to be like when we were little or something and you would think, oh, therapy, because I'm like, everybody, everybody can benefit. Everyone yes. can benefit. Well, this is why I talk about it. Can benefit like every yeah. human, every child, like play therapy was a big thing when we were in Hawaii and around active duty families and daddies or mommies were deployed. And, you know, like it's great to have kids in play therapy where they can just play and be and express the in the way that they can, you know, like I'm all about it. So I really appreciate yes. you saying that. Um, yeah. And everything I else. It's important. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation on the record. Me too. Thank you so much for yes. spending some of your Thursday bra free, no bra Thursday with me. No bra Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we'll put all hashtag all the links in the show notes over at naptimeempires.com so that you can check out all the goodness that we talked about in this episode. But Rachel, again, thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. You can find out more about Rachel and her million dollar badass mastermind at hello7.co. And I just want to highlight a few of my favorite takeaways and challenge you to apply them to your situation right now. So one of the things she said is, when I look at my strengths and what my skill set is, being behind a computer all day doesn't make any sense. So as part of your homework, I'd love to challenge you to think about what is your true natural gift and talent and skill set and are you actually using it? Or are you filling your time in your day and your business with things that you feel like you should do as opposed to what you are truly uniquely designed and built to do? There's a point, right, where we need to just do the things until we can delegate the things, but really consider it so you at least have a vision that you're working towards. And as soon as you can delegate those things, get them off your plate so you can focus on your zone of genius. Another thing she said is, do not be afraid of having employees. The reality is that you're better off with one person that's full-time than seven part-timers. Boom. Boom. Added for emphasis by me. But if this one spoke to you, start doing the research and figure out what you need to do to be ready legally and financially to hire your first employee. It only feels intimidating when we don't understand it. So thank you, Rachel, for having this conversation. Now, we'd love to hear your favorite takeaway. So take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag us at Rach Rogers at Nikki L. H. Brown. And if you haven't yet, I would so appreciate it if you'd take 60 seconds to go into the app wherever you're listening to leave a rating and review while you're right here. I love reading them and they help more people find our corner of the podcast world too. All right, see you next time. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free, wait, did I say free? I mean priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha.